0: Insight into Instruction. Combining and cultivating conversations between instructors and students.
1: Hey, welcome to Triple I, Insight into Instruction. My name is
0: Jamie. I'm Annabelle.
2: And I'm fabulous, but you can call me Thomas.
1: This week for our Math 352 teaching elementary math class, we were prompted with a series of questions to reflect on our work and progress throughout the semester. At the end of each semester, many of our professors in this program ask us to assess our own learning, participation, insight, and knowledge gained. They respect our opinions and trust that we will be honest in what we believe our grades should be in their classes. They take our answers into account along with their formative and summative assessments, sometimes including participation and attendance. The professors then review our reflections before providing us with a final grade. Since we are in the School of Education, this is modeling something that we as future teachers should be doing consistently, taking time out of our days to reflect. In-surface teachers will want to reflect on the lessons, how we thought we taught that day, as well as what didn't go as planned, and what needs modification for the future.
0: So today, we will be doing our math self-reflections for you via the podcast, so you can see not only the types of questions asked, but how we are able to reflect on ourselves and our learning. We will then be providing this episode to our professor, with prior permission, for them to assess in place of a traditional written reflection.
2: For this class, we are required to complete a math STEM unit project, where we focus on the M in STEM. This question ties directly into that project. Question one, reading professional text. Pick a portion of the text we have read in class and describe how you have connected with it. How have you taken these readings and used them in your project?
1: So my STEM unit project was made for sixth to eighth graders um, and is titled Building Bridges. And my focus for this unit was specifically trust bridges and building them with spaghetti and hot glue. So the portion of the text that I wanted to bring up is from intentional talk. How to Structure and Lead Productive Mathematical Discussions by L.M. Kazemi and Allison Hintz. The first quote states, Connecting numerical strategies to a visual model is one way of making sense of why a strategy works. The model serves as a resource for children to verify their attempts at breaking apart a problem into smaller chunks. And that's on page 10. So, The way that I integrated this into my unit was by making connections um, by looking at local bridges that students would have seen where the truss design is prevalent. So here it would be bridges within Washington and Oregon, most likely. And then through mini lessons like triangles and trusses, compression and tension, building costs. So that's helping them connect to the real world. And then having them sketch their own designs, keeping the types of trusses that they learned within that design. So that sketch, that scale blueprint, the scale model prototype, testing, reflecting, all of that sort of connects to that um, that section. That's sort of how I was seeing it. And then the second quote says... It can be quite powerful for a classroom community when students share ideas that aren't quite right yet and seek the help of their classmates. A student seeking peer feedback is valued as having a good kernel of an idea that needs to be developed and his or her classmates can be motivated to work through the issue. I mean, this is something I feel like for every single lesson that you do is if you're working on something within the class and you talk to your peers, getting that peer feedback is what's going to help you get better for sure specifically i mean if you think about it that's literally what this podcast is Mm -hmm. is having different views and having us work together to understand something in a totally different way because you don't look at the same thing as i do thomas and you don't look at the same thing as i do we don't see things the same way Mm -hmm. so to do that within a building bridges is they're going to see something completely different than the person who's been staring at it for hours oh definitely they're going to see where there's a no structural integrity or they'll see where the design could be modified in order to make it stronger so that's sort of how I connected mine
0: definitely an area that stuck out to me was on pages 45 through 48 we have a visual that talks about the equity-based practices which was uh, the first one is going deep with mathematics the second one is leveraging multiple math competencies Um, The third was Affirming Mathematical Learner's Identity. Four is Challenging Spaces of Marginality. And five was Drawing on Multiple Resources of Knowledge. This was also inside the Impact Identity book. And these were awesome throughout the book. They mentioned these same practices over and over. But this chart was really cool to me because it shows how it would be represented in a lesson, what a non-representative lesson looks like with it, how assessments would be considered for each of these practices, and then questions for your own reflection. And so within our STEM unit, I think they they do the going deep with mathematics quite often because that's going to be your debates, your justifications, your arguments, and following kind of that rabbit hole of mathematical thinking. And they have to do that because I'm engineering buildings to withstand varying natural disasters, and they're doing that within their table groups. And so they spend the whole time debating how they build it or justifying the blueprints that they're going to end up using for their model. Then we leverage multiple math competencies in the STEM unit in that All of these different students are going to have different roles at different points throughout the project, and those roles are going to be partially based off of what math competencies they already bring to the table, or what science and engineering competencies they bring in as well. And it also is a task with multiple entry points. We have a few notice and wonder type of things in there, which, as we've mentioned on this podcast before, have it where you can enter it with very surface-level observations or very deep technical observations, and all of those are valid and all of those are worthwhile. And we see that same concept kind of throughout the entire engineering process, as students have to pay attention to visual aspects, engineering aspects, and just even the precision of measuring the straws or the strings of the different things that they're cutting. And also, like, affirm mathematical learners' identity in similar ways. And I think those were the three out of these five that were really hit in my lesson. We We talk a little bit on challenging spaces of marginality, but not so much in math, more so in how humanity has connections in natural disasters and how those affected by natural disasters may be influenced by societal aspects, such as socioeconomic status. And then we draw on multiple resources of knowledge, such as culture, in our buildings and in, as we've learned about these natural disasters and the locations that they're taking place in.
2: So my STEM project is about force and Newton's three laws. And so the math is not only sprinkled, but it's really ingrained in with what I'm doing. So one of the quotes that really, like all my STEM project is really about is from intentional talk uh, on page 112, how teachers can use error opportunities to advance advancing mathematical thinking, we also think carefully about how teachers can treat students as sense makers and find logic in students' partial understandings as they facilitate mathematical productive and social supportive discussions. So, force isn't something we can see, and as third graders, is not really something that is like, it's the very surface level of everything. So, what they're doing in the STEM project is knowing that someone famous, we start with uh, Isaac Newton, and that he created these three laws. And we're going to do demonstrations and plan and investigate different phenomena about how forces interacted and how gravity is involved and a lot of cause and effects. So they'll be doing a lot of planning to scale. They'll be uh, measuring how far distance stuff goes, depending on the friction of the surf or uh, the friction of the flooring underneath it or how fast the a car is moving. Also, they are going to be demonstrating how unbalanced and balanced forces work and investigating it in a way that really promotes problem-solving skills because it's not something they can see unless they are actually using force to move something but knowing that there's other things like gravity and everything else that takes into effect as well and graphing and using all of that data and putting it in to actually get their their minds around the concept of what force looks like. And uh, one more quote... Um, from our Impacts of Identity book on page 114. Partnering with critical stakeholders to enable teachers to implement many of equitable practices stressed in this book, such as going deep with mathematics, affirming mathematical learning's identity, and drawing on multiple resources of knowledge. It's really as prevalent all through my STEM project just because they get to be partners, create a design, plan it, and also investigate it, and then report back to me about their findings. Not really, I'm not leading it. I'm giving them the the tools and the resources for them to actually go out and explore it, and then come together and kind of, like, use our hypothesis, plan the hypothesis, execute it, and then come back with the data to figure out what we've noticed, what we wondered, and what new information we gained from it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of, I mean, that work through all of ours probably everyone potentially in the cohort doing mm-hmm. this project that's very i mean that needs to be done mm-hmm. for everybody so you know you're you're going through scientific practices but really what we're trying to do is have the kids be able to explore science in a hands-on way mm-hmm. and be able to see themselves as scientists that's something that we are doing in our classes. So yeah. modeling it for students is you get to be the scientist. So you the get, get to the engineer, mm-hmm. the the mathematicians. Right. And it's you all right. You get together. to figure out your own learning and get to these conclusions. But we give you this project which you have to follow certain criteria them in order to do or so. You know. So yeah.
0: So our second question was based around participation. In it, it asked, do you contribute, share your thoughts, connections and questions in small groups? What about in whole group?
2: So I contribute, as you may well know, I like to talk so I love to share my thoughts. I love connecting with things, both in small groups and large groups. I try not to talk too much in large groups because sometimes I could dominate a conversation. Um, but I do contribute when I think that something I haven't said hasn't already been said. Um, but definitely in small groups, I definitely have to dominate the conversation.
1: But y'all know that already, so... <laughs> uh. I mean, I feel like all three of us... This is a yes for all three of us. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I, can, I contribute as well. I like to share my thoughts because... I feel like sometimes when someone else is, at, is working on a project, they don't necessarily see it because they're so close to it. Oh, definitely. So with me, yeah, I do share my thoughts and make connections in both small groups and large groups.
2: The thing is that we also not just share our thoughts on random subjects. We're actually sharing our thoughts about what we're supposed to be sharing our thoughts about. Right. Um, I, versus being off-topic, which we all probably a little bit guilty of being a little off-topic because we like to be social butterflies. But we are definitely making sure that we have those important conversations.
0: Yes, and definitely honing in on those aspects. I also would say that I contribute my thoughts and connections in small groups and whole groups. I will say that personally, I prefer small groups. I feel like I talk more in small groups and learn more in small groups, hence this podcast. (laughs) But in whole groups, I feel like I tend to ask clarifying questions quite a bit. I've gotten more used to that. And then also, seeing as I've been taking the middle-level math endorsement classes, there's been a few times where we may have covered similar material a few days or a week or two ahead that show itself again in our elementary class. So it's really cool to bring the aspects of algebra and what we've been learning in that and see that in an elementary focus. So that's where I kind of like to let my perspective in the class as well.
1: Question three is regarding attendance. Have you missed any classes, arrived late, left early?
0: So as far as attendance goes, I have not missed any classes, and I've been early and haven't left early, with the one potential difference just being the few times that I did attend on Zoom. I
2: have missed a class because I had some stomach issues and I could not sleep. And then I went to sleep at like five o'clock in the morning and definitely could not wake up in two hours if it would be there for class. But besides that, I also maybe have arrived late, once or twice, uh, walking in with my beautiful big old bag, just because I live in Portland. But besides that, I've been either in
1: class or on Zoom. So for me, there was one day that I was actually late to class. It was February 28th because my eight-year-old daughter passed me her flu and I didn't want to, uh, I didn't end up waking up to my alarm, but I did come to Zoom class that day. And then I emailed Tara, our professor to apologize. But, um, yeah, other than that, I wasn't late, nor did I leave class early.
2: Mission four, mathematical mindset. Have you shifted or remained the same in your beliefs of what mathematical instruction is?
1: Since starting last summer at WSU, in statistics to now, I don't think that I've shifted any of my beliefs. And actually, maybe even before attending Clark. I think it stayed the same from Clark until now. But before that, yes, math was equation, rule, solve. Math was not critical thinking, there wasn't reasoning, and it was merely memorization without understanding, which is what I thought it was, to now where my views have definitely changed and I, I think that my mind has broadened to understand that math, it's important to know why, so, yeah.
0: Definitely, I think my change in my mathematical mindset has been progressing since my time at Clark, so a lot of the stuff that was reaffirmed this term was exactly that, it was reaffirming, but I think two areas that I definitely did grow on was that math has become more malleable to me. The emphasis on number sense within this class has been huge, and I think that has made it easier to see math as something to maneuver within or use as a tool, rather than just cut and dry something on a paper. And then the other huge thing that stuck out to me was that I've been become more aware of core concepts regarding math and how teaching those principles, rather than solely teaching targeted skills alone, is so important. And when I'm talking about core concepts, I'm talking about the eight
2: mathematical practices,
0: mathematical practices that we did a lot, which was making sense of problems and uh, persevering in solving them, uh, reasoning abstractly and quantitatively, constructing viable arguments and critiques, and critique the other the reasoning of others, and stuff like that. That's much more so a mindset and a technique, rather than a specific skill. And once you have these eight mathematical practices as kind of an underlying tone in which you teach the rest of math, it makes math much more real and much less abstract to your students, I believe.
2: And for me, it definitely have uh, shifted uh, my beliefs in what mathematical instruction can look like. I thought it was literally, like Jamie said, rules instructions. You must so here's the equation. This is only one way to solve the equation, and it's over. Ever since I've taken math at Clark, I understand that there are now multiple ways to solve it, and even more so in this class is that math that can be actually relatable and is in everything that we do, and it doesn't have to be. That's the right answer. That's the wrong answer. It's actually just understanding how things can be solved in multiple different ways, and if you can figure, if, and if you can figure it out, that's great. And if not, then we just keep trying and keep going. Yep, the how and why. Yep,
0: the how and why. Before completing our math STEM unit project, we created one pager. This practice, as stated on the AVID Student Handout 5.4.1, is explained as a creative response to your learning experience. It allows you to respond imaginatively while being brief and concise in making connections between words and images. We think about what we see and read differently when we are asked to do something with what we have seen or read, which leads us into this next question. Describe any changes you would make to your one pager based on your elevator talk. How do you see the M in your STEM project? Is the main course of the project or just a side dish?
2: So for our one pager with this basically how I see the M in my STEM project, I don't think it actually changed any because um my whole concept for my stem project was critical thinking at its finest so it's definitely was both science and math are huge components within it and it was that way in my one pager and
1: that's how it is didn't really change yeah for me um i guess The professor talked about the elevator talk, so we got to talk in small groups, explain our one-pagers in like two minutes. And I actually had forgotten to add the math practice to mine, so I ended up adding uh, attend to precision to mine. So they talk about proficiency in students and trying to communicate precisely, using clear definitions and with, within their own reasoning, as well as discussing with others, meanings of symbols that they choose, just specifying me- units of measure. That was a big one. Lab- labeling axes to clarify correspondence with quantities, things like that. So through that, I think the M is integrated through those conversations that they're having with each other about it. But also there's a lot of times where they're helping each other with their models and giving feedback, as well as working with the blueprints and the prototype itself so there's a real need for units of measure and understanding that when you create a blueprint that is to scale you need to be able to utilize those measurements and be precise about those measurements in order to make a model that is the same as far as scale Um, and then the last one was just understanding sort of like color coding and tension compression things like
0: that yeah I think Similar to Thomas, mine didn't change a whole lot between the one-pager and the elevator talk, although I will say, when reflecting on all of it now, I can see a lot more where certain practices come into play a bit more than standards, because beforehand I saw my math component as one standard around area and parameter, but now, seeing as my STEM project hinged greatly on engineering, it was like this happy medium of a place for math and science, and so with that, There's a need for precision and planning, which we have both in measurements and execution, but also in our blueprinting area, which is where we bring in area and perimeter again as students have to create individual blueprints, share them with a group, like critique and justify their reasonings based off of the parameters, and then decide one together that is mathematically accurate, but also meets the needs of their buyers. And that's kind of at the core of where the math standards and math practices sit, although they will be using math practices throughout the rest of their time as they problem solve and have to use a lot of perseverance in order to complete a model that can withstand testing.
1: Question six asks, are you and your classmates supporting each other as learners? Am I, our professor, supporting you? How can I support you to complete your
0: project? I think something throughout not only this class, but as we've mentioned, as a cohort, is that we're very supportive of each other, I feel like, especially within the smaller groups within the cohort, such as you guys or some of our other peers, so I don't think a lack of support has ever really been an issue um, with us in this class, and I think our professors at WSU have also been very supportive. They're always there to hear either our worries about an assignment or any questions we may have and respond to those in a way that's really helpful. And so I don't think I've found any issues where support wasn't there as we are always working so closely and have such close contact that it's not one of those situations where you have a distant um, professor or a remote professor who you can only talk to during class. We email back and forth all the time, and I think that's been key in making this class run so smoothly. I
2: think that, as you were saying, our cohort is so close, but I do like the fact that we have smaller class sizes, so not all 42 of us, 43 of us, Mm -hmm. together. And I think that our professor Tara, is supports us extremely well and I feel very blessed to have a teacher like her. The only thing that I would say to maybe support us to complete this project is give us a little bit more time. I don't know if she was aware, but we're not, this is not the only unit study we're doing. We have to do one for ELL, one for English, one for science, one for math, as well as doing a huge case study paper that are all due within the next two weeks. And we just, I just don't feel like we have enough time to complete all of them without actually having to maybe do on finals week versus being due before finals week.
0: Right, and I think part of that was... Part of it, I know, is part of the learning journey. But when these units were introduced, I think it's what makes it harder to execute them by the, time, by the date yes. that they're due.
2: If we had maybe, like, it was introduced two weeks ago versus last week or this week. Depends on the teacher. So I had some teachers introduce it this week.
1: So for me, through the process, there's definitely been a lot of collaboration. Mm-hmm. There's the Think for Shares, the math talks, all the things that we're doing within the classroom. But also, because we do have such a supportive cohort and we all are supporting each other, we're able to ask for help from anybody. We have a Discord set up. We can just type into the Discord, can somebody help me with this? Someone will come along and help us or we ask each other. So there hasn't really been any issues as far as classmates supporting each other in the classroom or even outside of the classroom. As far as Tara supporting us and how you can support me in completing the project, she's been really available for questions outside of class, gives time in class to work on things, work together, giving feedback to one another. Yeah, a little bit more time just introducing the unit a little bit earlier or having it available in the module for us to read beforehand could be helpful for the next classes coming up. I'm guessing that's why the question is being asked. So just having that information more readily available at least to be able to look, read, and mentally prepare.
2: Yes. Question seven and eight. The last two questions we are lumping together. What do you think your grade should be for the classroom participation? Why? And any other comments you would like to add?
1: So, I mean, obviously I think my grade should be an A. But, um, reason being, I think just consistently working through the in-class assignments, reading the material, completing the homework assignments on time, being attentive during lectures and during student discourse, and then just... I think for me personally, utilizing some of the things that I learned within the classroom for my practicum. I think that because I've been participating, I've been able to utilize it in real life. So...
2: Do, sure. do you have a math. You have a math. Or yes, a because math I'm
1: class. I'm in a practicum where it's sixth and seventh grade math. Yes. So it's been something that's been very relevant.
2: And for me, I think my grade should be an A because I'm amazing. But Y is because I've been... I've been really present in class. I've done all the readings. I have uh, really taken this class to heart and that I think that it's extremely, like math has always been a strong suit of mine and I want that to continue to be a strong suit for when I teach children. So I've taken it extremely seriously so I'm actually able to implement my love for it, my passion for it to the children I eventually teach.
0: Right, and I think that passion is kind of where the checking of boxes goes from a C to an A because Technically, we could have just cited completion at full marks and be like, that should be an A. But where I think it comes in is our investment during classes, and that's where I think I would also mark myself around an A, is the participation and then the investment of the quality of work produced for this class has never been passive for me. I'm very intentional with this class, in part, as you said, because of how this is going to go into our teaching and my already, my pre-existing Perspective on math and my want to be a math teacher. That's why you're in the math endorsement. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps. Thank you for listening to another episode of Triple I. As a quick shout out, we are so excited to have expanded our listeners from solely the United States to those of you in Germany, Australia, Canada, Spain, and India.
1: This semester has been a whirlwind, and though spring 2022 ends soon, we only technically have a weekend, two days, between when this semester ends and the summer semester begins. That being said, our summer semester is only six weeks long, so podcasts may continue to be published with more space in between. We are working out the specifics regarding how often we will upload episodes to ensure consistency, depending on what our future classes allow for podcast topics and material. That being said, it doesn't mean that we won't be surprising you with additional episodes in between.
2: We are extremely thankful for you sticking with us, and we hope to continue this well after we graduate. As Jamie stated in the introduction, it is important for us to reflect on both our learning and our teaching. The benefit of the podcast is that we get to do something we love, that also allows others to obtain knowledge, information, and sources along with us. Just remember, though this podcast is education based, it circulates around our opinions as well. We continue to ask you to research the sources we provide independently in order to formulate your own opinions along with us. Thanks again.
0: Thank you for coming along with us on this academic journey. Click that follow button so you can join us next time for more ins and outs of education past, present, and future.